money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. So every week we come in and we share something that either we learned as a real estate investor over the last week, uh, what's going on in the economy, what's going on in the real estate market, and how you can win as a real estate investor. And the way that we've broken down our business is through this real estate investor blueprint. So how many left brain engineers, analytical people are in the room here tonight? Okay, you're among friends. I'm one of those folks too. Okay, so so when you see something like this, Andrew, I know what you say. You complete me. You complete me. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot, right? So, but this is kind of how we broke we've broken down our business. So it's a little hard to read from where you guys are right now, but I'll tell you, there's six major blocks. Uh, the first block is strategy. So we all need different strategies as real estate investors to be able to survive and thrive in each one of the different markets. Because do strategies change for us as the market is changing? Right? Yes, all the time. So we have to be able to uh, not just focus on one strategy because that one strategy will abandon us, leave us homeless and bankrupt as the market changes. So you have to be able to focus on several different strategies as a real estate investor in order to make it through multiple markets without having to go back to work for anyone else. Uh, the next big block on the left-hand side are the 65 different marketing strategies. Again, a lot of people will ask us, well, what's the silver bullet, right? In life, is there a silver bullet? No, right? In life, you, I mean, I, I wish that were the case, but if that were the case and it were so easy, then everyone would be doing it and what would happen to our margins? They'd get squeezed to nothing because we would just be a commodity. The things that make us great, the things that make us a lot of money are the fact that it is not straightforward and it does take a little bit of brains to be able to figure some of these things out and a fair amount of creativity as well. Uh, well, there's also the, the process of sales and negotiation. So I know some of you guys might be excellent at that, but I know some of you guys have been in that cubicle and talking to other cubicle people for the last five, 10 or 20 or more years and may not have the best skills when it comes to talking to people or sales and negotiation. Uh, so we've done a lot of training on sales and negotiation. We've talked to well over 1200 sellers over the last 20 years. Uh, 1200, we basically just stopped counting. Um, but it, uh, we go through some of the, what we call the exactly what to say for the real estate investor. I've literally documented just about every single objection that a seller has given me over the last 20 years. And I have rehearsed all the ways to be able to overcome those objections. In the earlier segment, I share with you guys the prayer, right? And how to be able to get a seller to say, yes, I want to sell you my property subject to, because if you get hit by a bus, then I'm winning, right? So uh, some of those different uh, exactly what to to say for the real estate investor comes in very handy. On the bottom right hand side, we go through the analysis and due diligence. So math is important and critical for us as real estate investors. Uh, all of you guys know the real estate investor maximum allowable offer formula. Yes, yes. Who says no? It's okay. Write this down, um, please. If you do not know this, like it's on the back of your like hand, tattoo it. You've got to have this as a real estate investor. We call it the MAO formula or the maximum allowable offer formula. And that is 70% of the ARV minus repairs. 
70% of the ARV minus repairs, where ARV stands for after repair value. This is basically the comps, right? What the house is going to sell for after it's all fixed up, fixed up, and the repairs that are commiserate with those comps. So for me, um, if a house has my favorite colors, granite and stainless steel, right? And if your subject property does not have my favorite colors, granite and stainless steel, but all of the comps in the area have my favorite colors, guess what? If you are using uh, those comps, you have to bring it up in terms of your repairs and use a repair that's at that value. Sometimes you'll see new investors and especially wholesalers that will tell you, well, the highest ARV is here and this is the make ready repairs. Make ready repairs is basically putting glue and, you know, uh, 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 lipstick, you know, on green laminate countertops, right? So make sure your repairs are commiserate with what your ARV is calling for. So that is what we call the real estate investor maximum allowable offer formula, 70% of ARV managed repairs. So let's do, let's do some quick math together just to make sure we all have it. So let's say the ARV is 500,000. And let's say the repairs are 50,000. What is your offer? I know. Do you know? What is it? It's 300,000. Yeah, some of you guys are walking calculators, like we're cut from the same cloth. So uh, 500,000 times 70% is 350,000. 350,000 minus $50,000 in repairs is $300,000. That is your offer. Everybody got that? So you might need another example. It's okay. Okay, so another example. ARV is 200,000. Repairs are 40,000. What is your offer? I know you know. What did you say? 100,000. I thought you said 160. And I'm like, you are wrong, but you said 100. So you are right. Uh, so uh, 200,000 times 70% is 140. 140 minus the $40,000 in repairs means that you offer $100,000. Now, your second question should be, well, that's cool that that's the offer, but how much do I make if I make that offer? So typically you're making somewhere between 10 to 15% of your ARV. So if your ARV is 500,000, you're making somewhere between 50 and $75,000 on that deal. If your ARV is 200,000, you're making somewhere between 20 and $30,000 on that deal. Some of you guys might say, well, what's the difference? Like, why would I make 50 versus 75? What's the difference? The difference is going to be, and this is, this is a, an assumption, this is a huge assumption uh, to give all of you guys. It assumes that you nailed your ARV and it assumes that you nailed your repairs. Now, um, probably my least favorite quote as a real estate investor, my renovation project came in on time and on budget. Who said that? That would be no one ever, exactly. Uh, so, so, but I'm gonna assume that for you guys. So, so assuming that you got your math, and assuming that also number three, you got your math right, um, what's the difference between making 10% versus 15%? Well, it's really all about your cost of capital. So if you have a hard money lender charging you 15%, they're gonna take up about 5% of that ARV in terms of their profit, right? Because they're funding your entire deal. And then you would take the other 10%. If you're buying subject two and you've got someone with a 3% loan and you're bringing your personal cash to the table, then you're looking at making 15% and maybe even a little bit more of that ARV in terms of your profit. So that's kind of our some of our basic formulas there. Yes, sir. You would make 30% except for what? So the question was for those of you guys online, for those of you guys over here who couldn't hear, well, I'm giving, I, I'm offering them a 30% discount. Why am I not making 30% of the ARV in terms of my profit? Why is that, guys? 
We have closing costs on the buy, right? We have title insurance, we have uh, property insurance, uh, we have all of the title fees. Hopefully we don't have a real estate commission on the buy because that's gonna eat up a lot of our, pro I'm just saying. Um, but, um, and then we have all the holding costs for while we're renovating the property. So that's property taxes, right? So some of you guys who are from other states, you might find, wow, that took up a lot of my profits, right? Uh, you have insurance, uh, you have utilities, you might have HOA. Uh, if you have hard money payments, then those would be part of what you're paying on a regular basis as your holding costs. And then you have the closing costs when you go to sell it. And yes, at that point, you're bringing in a great realtor to be able to sell it for you. And you're going to want to pay them a, you know, a good commission to be able to do that because that's how we're going to get that highest price. We want to advertise to as many people as possible. So that typically eats up about 50 or about 50% of that 30% discount. So that's why instead of making a 30% profit, you're at best typically making about a 15% profit, maybe a little more, again, if you nail the ARV and nail the repairs, but uh, uh, as low as a 10% profit if you're bringing in, for example, a hard money lender as your partner. Now, uh, for my hard money lenders in the room, I wanna make sure that I'm super clear on this. There's no way in many cases that a deal is getting done without you guys, right? So you, our guys, are the key to unlocking some of these profits, right? You're the key to unlocking some of these profits. So uh, that's uh, a little bit about the analysis and due diligence side. Next is finance side. So you've got to have the folks to be able to finance them for you. And the, um, the, the last thing here is the operations. It's, it's the largest part of this uh, chart here. It's in the upper right-hand corner. Why do you think it's the largest part of this chart? Why do you think operations is the largest part of your chart? Maintain the asset. What else? What else? So again, finding the next deal. That's, that's the marketing part, yeah. But what might allow you to find the next deal? If you are going to your property every day and if you are the plumber, the electrician, the 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 tile layer right if you are the drywaller if you are the, the person who's doing everything in the house what do you now not have any time for finding the next deal doing the marketing the only way that your business scales beyond doing one to two properties a year is if what your operations is tight meaning you have someone that you can hand over the reins to to do all of this stuff for you so you can be working on the next deal. You're going to save money if you're doing stuff yourself, but you're going to save your way out of scaling your business and growing your revenue. And I think this is where a lot of new investors get it wrong. And especially those of you guys, and I know many of you guys are in here who are those cubicle jockeys, right? Who's like, I just, I wanna get out in the sun and work a hard, good day's hard work. Like, you know, it's like when you're looking at a spreadsheet all day, it's like, you're not like walking around saying like, I'm so proud, like look at my spreadsheet, you know, look at how many tabs, tab after tab, look at all these formulas. It's like, there's no feel good with that. But when you're knocking down a wall, after you've been in a cubicle for like, 10 years, it feels really good. But I will tell you guys, the faster that you let go of that, it feels really good feeling and realize that what feels better is, yeah, being on the phone and talking to a seller and getting that next deal. Trust me, 
this is where your business will scale. And I know some of you guys are still looking at me like, no, I'm gonna do my own stuff. Well, great, then you're gonna do one to two deals a year, okay? And that might be enough for you. But if you wanna do 10 deals a year, right? And you really want to push and move the dial, then you're going to focus on the operation side of your business so that you can grow it. Now, uh, our tip today, our tip today is actually uh, refinancing. So I'm going to pull that slide up. Give me two seconds as we're getting that going. Uh, tip today is uh, refinancing. Uh, refinancing in today's market is a little bit different than what it was uh, just a few years ago. Why is that? Why is refinancing a little different now? Interest rates, right? Interest rates. So I would say in a way, refinancing or even financing is a little bit dead, which is probably not what any of you guys expected to hear when we're talking about financing, right? It's like, well, is, is, is it over, right? It's like, you know, is the opportunity over? What's the answer to that? No, do we have to get more creative? 100%. That is our job. Our, our job is to understand the disruption that is affecting the market. Our job is to come up with a solution for that disruption while we are heads up looking for what? The next disruption, right? And then we got to put a process around the solution that we created for the last disruption so that we can do what? Hand it to somebody else so that we can focus on getting the next Okay, two of you are really falling along here. This is like so awesome. Like, thank you too right here. The rest of you guys, try and keep, try and keep up a little bit with us. Uh, so, so refinancing is, is the, the, the traditional refinance that we saw in 2020, that we saw in 2021, that we saw in the first half of 2022 is, is dead. And so to prove that to you guys, I'm going to give you some eye charts, uh, which is it turns out it looks like you won't be able to read from here. So let me see if we can do it a little bit like this. And, um, you know, if um, Michael, I don't know if you could help me. I know this is a big ask because there's like 55 different uh, light switches around here. But could we dim the light, make it a little more romantic in here if you could just want to. Yeah, there may be some over there. So there may be some extra switches and I'll explain uh, what you what you're not seeing over here. Uh, so. And I'm going to be able to uh, read this myself. So this orange line here, uh, this orange line, this is what reef, this is 2014 to 2023. Okay. This is the interest rates, right? So we've seen the interest rate more than double over about a one year period. What you can't see right here until we find some of the lights that might be uh, a little bit closer to me, which may be over here and no. What you can see is this in here. So this is this is the refinance part, right? And this is where we are right now in terms of the number of people that are doing the refinancing. Uh, so if you guys would like to pull this up on your uh, phone uh, too, because we are having a little trouble finding some of the lights in here. You, that still didn't really do much for it. So, uh, and unfortunately, all three of my graphs are like that. So, uh, what it what it basically says is it shows the interest rates in the orange line right there, and then in the light blue, which is what you guys can't see, it shows uh, the number of people that are refinancing right now, uh, which has gone down by more than half as interest rates have more than doubled over the last year. Uh, if you look at um, the refinance uh, uh, versus just the uh, regular 
regular financing. Again, you'll see as interest rates have doubled this uh, line in orange here, you'll see that uh, where we had this huge amount of growth here in 2020, if you guys if you guys have great sight, this is where all of the refinances were happening in here. And then it's gone down to right here is where we are, okay? So, uh, and then if you look in this one, you can actually see. So this one you can actually see. So this is uh, purchase, uh, purchases versus the refinance index. So the purchase index has gone down because we have fewer buyers in the market right now. And then the refinance index has also gone down. So what does that tell you guys? What does that tell you guys? Refinancing is dead. Refinancing is dead. If you look at mortgage applications, you'll see the same thing. And those mortgage applications are the uh, leading indicator of what refinances are gonna look like. So for those of you guys who are excited about and are doing research and that are over at YouTube University learning about the Burr strategy, right? Buying, rehabbing, renting, and refinancing, it thrived when interest rates were low. It was a wonderful time to be able to use that strategy. But uh, it isn't working as well today, unless what? Unless what? Unless you're doubling your down payment, right? Because the reason why people are using the strategy is because they wanna get more cash flowing rental properties. If you're doubling your down payment, what does that mean you can buy fewer of? More houses, right? So we kind of get into this, this situation where you're, you're maximizing your cash flow by doubling your down payment, which uh, puts you in a position where you're not allowed to double the inventory of houses that you have. Um, so it makes it harder to cash flow. And some of those uh, uh, larger loans, um, uh, those uh, uh, DSCR loans, uh, are also products are starting to go away because it's, it's just harder to be able to do that. And especially in this city right now where we have prices that are really high, but we have rents that are relatively low uh, versus uh, prices. Many of you guys have heard of the 1% rule. What's the 1% rule? If, you're, if you buy a house for $100,000, you better be getting $1,000 a month. So if the average price in Austin is over $600,000, which is what it is, right? Are you getting $6,000 a month on average from your rental property? The answer is no, not even close. You might be getting three, maybe 3,000. So in Austin, that number might be at half, right? The only way that you're gonna get one, you know, the only way that you're gonna get uh, cash flow on that is if again, you're in a situation where you are doubling your down payment, which allows us, which limits our ability to scale, which limits our ability to scale. But don't worry, there are other options. It is our job to look for disruptions. It is our job to come up with solutions. And there are many solutions um, that don't necessarily involve, uh, involve refinancing, but does involve using and leveraging the interest rates of borrowers who bought and or refinance in 2020, 2021, 2022. And if you had decent credit, what did you do in 2020 and 2021 and 2022? You refinanced everything at these incredibly low interest rates that if I'm honest with you, I think we will never see again. And I don't mean to sound like negative. I mean, we'll see them again if somebody could invent COVID part two, right? That's, that would be a way that we'll see them again if Russia starts World War III, right? Wouldn't that be a, we'll see them again if some really awful scenario is happening. Do you guys agree with that more or less, right? 
So, but we can take advantage of all the, of the existing mortgages that are out there that are already under 4%. So uh, why not take advantage uh, by taking over a mortgage of an existing property? This is how we make a dollar holler. This is how we uh, break through the disruption that is happening in today's market. Uh, so for those of uh, for those of you who think uh, interest rates are going to go down and, and who think, well, yeah, they're going to go down back to 3%, 4%, 5%—what I tell people, and this is actually a realtor saying, is marry the house, date the rate. What does that mean? Go on, buy your dream house. Yeah, you might pay a little more for it, or you're going to have to buy down the rate. And then when interest rates come down, like you think they're going to come down, then what are you going to do? You're going to refinance, okay? Until then, another strategy for us to use is to do what? To buy it subject to the existing mortgage and take advantage of where the market was just a few years ago. And sellers are willing to do that because if you write up the note and deed of trust properly, they win in the event that you screw something up and stop making payments, okay? Um, so that's a little bit about my perspective after doing this for 20 years on refinancing. If you guys would like to hear a little bit more about some of the different tips and tricks that we have, I've got over 100 tips and tricks for you guys to be able to make money as the market changes uh, on our Texas Rio's YouTube channel as well as on our podcast. Uh, for me, I'm not, I, it feels like they're either YouTubers or podcast, I'm the podcast person. Like I podcast when I drive, I podcast when I, when I work out, I'm not the YouTube but we've got it in both those places for you. And this is actually part of a 10 plus part series, which we call an overview of real estate investing. So if you want to get an idea about the marketing, the deals, strategies, due diligence, negotiating, financing, closing, reselling, leasing, and tonight's topic, refinancing, uh, uh, please join us on our Texas Rias YouTube or podcast channel. Uh, and our next series is something that we call, and, and, and I promise the motivational part of our presentation is almost over, uh, but the, the the next uh, series of uh, things that we're going to go into is something we call top investor mistakes. Uh, so these are all of the potholes and sand traps that investors fall into as they are uh, getting started, as well as getting past the front door, which is what we call the exactly what to say for the real estate investor who is door knocking or cold calling uh, in today's environment. So again, uh, check us out on our Texas Rio's YouTube channel, binge watch us and become the expert. Really like it when you guys uh, are getting Getting your knowledge and information from people who live here, work here, invest here. If you're getting your knowledge and information from an incredible, any of the incredible, you know, super successful YouTubers with all the subscribers out there, if you are investing um, where in the state that they live, fantastic. But if you are not, then you're going to learn something that might be illegal in the state that you are investing, worst case scenario, right? Or something that just doesn't work and it's going to be a fool's errand, then you might not figure it out until you've been trying it for the last six months. Uh, so something to be aware of. So we teach Texans how to invest in Texas using strategies that actually work in Texas. Really, no big deal. Let me turn on. Oh, I'm not going to turn on some lights. This actually looks okay. But how would you guys like to talk a little bit about what's happening in the market right now? A little market update? Yes. Yeah, okay. This is probably my favorite part. I, I, I geek out on this sort of stuff. So uh, let's 
go through what's happening in the market right now. So this week is a little bit of a hybrid presentation in terms of the market update, which means that some of the major MLSs are reporting their numbers and some are not reporting their numbers. Uh, and I've got some early preview numbers for us uh, here in Austin, but I have the final numbers for both Dallas as well as for Houston. We'll go through the overview of all of Texas. Now, the all of Texas overview is just the May numbers, and then we'll start to hybrid it out into the markets that are reporting uh, right now. So in May, Texas, the average sales price, about 430000 down 3% year over year. Sales down 7% year over year. So we are seeing a downward trend in uh, sales prices. We are seeing a downward trend in the number of sales as well. And never is that more true in all of the Texas markets than in Austin, Texas. So Austin had the biggest run up in 2020, 2021, 2022. Um, Austin's having probably, versus all of the other major markets in Texas, the biggest run down um, of, of, of all the major markets. Now, um, so what that means for you guys, uh, before I go through the numbers, just want to make be, be super clear on what this means for you guys. It is incumbent upon it is required of you to make sure that you get the your comps correct as a real estate investor like it is your it is probably your comps and your repairs your number one your number two things and then number three you better know how to do math and do the real estate investor maximum allowable offer formula okay but where i see a lot of investors get hung up especially as the market is changing especially as the market is going down is they're using the wrong comps so if the comps that you are using to build up your arv and to build up your offer are comps from the fever pitch which was may and june of 2022 your comps are wrong and your comps are off by probably five, 10 or 15%, okay? Which is roughly all of your profit on a deal, okay? So as much fun as it is to get into a house and rip it apart and build it back up, it's a lot funner to catch the check at the end of the day, I can promise you guys this, okay? So, so please make sure you have the right comps. The people are gonna feed you the wrong comps or who? Who's gonna feed you the wrong comps? <laughs> sellers, real estate agents, I'll, I'll tell you, it's the wholesalers, okay? The wholesalers are going to cherry pick those comps. Uh, and, and, and if you're not doing your own marketing and you're relying on a wholesaler to bring you those comps, they're, they're going to cherry pick the best comps. It's just like, it's human nature, right? Uh, uh, some of you guys are familiar with Charlie Munger. Who's that? Warren Buffett's right-hand man. Okay, Warren Buffett's right-hand man. Um, I'm not sure who's which one is the right the right or the left hand man, but um, uh, he he says that everything in life comes down to incentives, right? So if your if your wholesaler is only getting paid if you are listening to the crappy data that they give you, right? And they are incented to give you maybe in this case the wrong data so that you pay overpay for a property, you're going to be find yourself in trouble. So if a comp that you are looking at in the agent description, as an example, says anything like multiple offers, best and final due by 5 p.m. on Wednesday. What do you know about that comp? It is no longer valid, right? Because are we in a multiple offer situation environment anymore? The answer is no, not really. 
right? So watch your comps. When the market is going down, you want to tighten the months that you will pull in your comps to one, two, or three months. When the market's going up, you can take comps from a year ago and it will still make sense, right? Because those are lower. But when the market's going down, you'll increase your risk the further out you guys take those comps. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so this is why, especially in the Austin market where we're seeing prices down, in some cases up to 9%, where, where having that data really counts. Sales last month down 12%. Uh, pending, uh, pending sales. Here's what's interesting about the Austin market. Uh, we may be at a transition point and we may not even recognize it yet. And these are early numbers. These are early numbers. Uh, but the early numbers show that the pending sales in Austin are actually up 20% year over year. That is a huge jump. It's the first time we've seen uh, pending sales up and probably a year over year and probably a year. Okay. Uh, so that's a big deal. Now, I'm still waiting for all the numbers to, uh, to uh, filter through. Uh, it is possible that some of those pending sales may be realtors who have not list, uh, changed their listings from pending to closed, right? So again, we're taking some early numbers here. So uh, give me some liberty if they change the next uh, week when you guys hear me do this presentation, but something to be aware of, uh, especially here in the Austin environment and the Austin market. And Dallas-Fort Worth, these are official numbers. So they are officially reporting. The sales price last month in Dallas, 520,000, down only 3% year over year. Down 3% as interest rates have more than doubled is something to celebrate. Just some, not everybody has that kind of long-term perspective, but this is something uh, to celebrate for sure. Uh, hold on my calls, please. Uh, cl close sales, uh, they're down, but they're only down 4% in Dallas. Pending sales are closest leading indicator to what closed sales will be next month, uh, down 7%. Where's everyone going? Everyone is leasing. So all of those would-be sellers who have said, I don't like the market right now. I want to sell when the market's going up. They're leasing, okay? And all of those would-be buyers who are saying, I don't like these interest rates right now and I want to wait till the market goes down. What are they doing? They're leasing from those sellers who don't want to sell, okay? So leases in Dallas up 26% year over year. Lease price only up 2%. We saw some much higher jumps earlier in the year, uh, but now it's kind of starting to flatten out because we're getting to that point where we started to see those interest rates uh, start to move up the same time last year. The Houston market just reported today. Uh, the Houston market had some of the uh, uh, best average sales numbers in terms of price. Down, but only down 0.5%. Close sales, however, down 13% year over year. I, I want to say it's the 15th, uh, I can't remember if they said it was the 15th or 18th month in a row where we've seen a year over year decrease in sales, uh, which was which is unusual. Now, if you compare it to 2019, sales are up about 4% year over year in the Houston market. And 2019 is what we would probably call our our, our last normal year. Uh, so something to kind of be aware of if you're, if you want to compare more apples to apples. Uh, lease listings in Houston up 17%, lease price flat, uh, but the number of new lease listings. So people are saying, I'm not going to, I'm not selling at the price that I want. As an example, I'm going to put it for lease. Uh, there are an additional 15% uh, more properties for lease in the Austin, um, pardon me, in the Houston MLS. San Antonio, unfortunately, still reporting the May numbers. Um, 
but I'll go ahead and uh, uh, read those out to you. Average price, uh, Santonio did the best of all of the four major markets. Average price was flat year over year, flats the new up. Uh, sales were down, but they were only down uh, 3%. And it does make sense then that leases are also flat year over year, lease price up 3%. So was this helpful, guys, in giving you some guidance on how to look at the numbers, how to look at the market, where we are today, and some of the different ways you need to think about real estate and real estate investing uh, for the next uh, six months probably yeah yes okay great I've really uh, I've really um, made a difference in about two people's lives in here tonight so great fantastic all right so I want to go and give a quick special announcement as we were all together tonight and um, and that is is there a one-stop spot to get all the data? The answer is, um, I just, here. <laughs> uh, so the answer is um, no. So if you want Houston Market, Houston Association of Realtors, Dallas Market, uh, my Metro Tech, San Antonio, uh, San Antonio Associ Austin, Austin Associ Association of Realtors. Austin publishes not just the Austin market, but also the total Texas roll-up. Uh, but they and they give a press release that anyone can get access to on their site abor.com um, for uh, about 50 pages worth of detailed, you know, county by county separating new listings versus existing homes. I'm sorry, new homes versus existing homes, um, and breaking it out. 25 different ways you would have to get it from a realtor a licensed realtor and i'm sure if i ask and i know you guys don't like to raise your hands but if but there's something about realtors realtors do like to raise their hands realtors are the pick me ones right uh, so how many realtors in the room at least probably five realtors in the room really just two okay just just okay just two um so uh, uh finding an investor friendly realtor where do you find investor friendly realtors usually at the real estate investor association um so you can get uh they can uh download that information and uh, uh share it with you for sure yeah The end of month sales updated once a month, but the different MLSs report on different time frames. So usually Dallas reports first, Houston reports second, uh, and then um, Houston and San Antonio try to be a, a tie for who reports last. Uh, but usually uh, Austin and San Antonio report in the third um, uh, week of the next month. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, we've talked about several different strategies tonight as we were all together. I'd love to teach you another uh, set of strategies to be able to make sure that as you start investing in real estate that you not only know how to survive and thrive in the market that we are in today, but also in the markets that we will be going into over the next year, three years, five years, 10 years. Uh, 20 years ago, I left my full-time job. Uh, I've not had to update my resume since then. I've not had to go to work for anyone else. My resume at this point in my life is in some version of DOS that even the techiest of the techie people in this room could not resurrect it, nor would I want you to because I love what I do as a real estate investor, um, staving off Alzheimer by, getting, uh, by having to be creative as a real estate investor every single day. Uh, and part of that is making a decision to figure out how to make money every time the phone rings. And to be able to do that, you have to have different strategies as a real estate investor, different buying and selling strategies. So we teach all of those different strategies. We teach all of the different marketing campaigns that you can implement because there is no silver bullet. Uh, and we go through all of the closing scripts, uh, the exactly what to say for the real estate investor. So how many of you guys have read Chris Voss, Never Split the Difference? 
Okay, every single one of you guys should be reading that book, okay? Chris Wass was a former FBI terrorist and hostage negotiator. And for those of you guys who are thinking, terrorists and hostages, I'm, I'm at a real estate meeting. What the heck do I need to know about terrorists and hostages? If that is what you're thinking, what you have just told me and should be telling you is that you have never dealt with a motivated seller because sometimes it does feel like a terrorist or hostage negotiation. So you need some of those skills in order to be able to put properties under contract, keep them under contract, renegotiate them, and ultimately get to the finish line. Uh, so we combine our uh, 20 years of talking to sellers, developing our own scripts, and then enhancing them with uh, Phil Jones from Exactly What to Say, Chris Voss from Never Split the Difference, and Chase Hughes from The Six Minute X-Ray uh, to make sure that you guys are a well-rounded uh, real estate investor and know exactly what to say and how to overcome every objection. We have a limited three city tour of workshops that are designed to help you guys figure out the exactly what to do next as a real estate investor. We've got some coming up in Austin, Dallas, and Houston. You guys can come live and in person like many of you guys are here tonight or online like many of you guys who are watching uh, uh, us on uh, some of our socials are as well. You can come live on Friday and online on Saturday, Sunday, or or vice versa. Uh, you, if you're in Austin, you can come to Dallas or Houston, so it's totally up to you. Uh, it's, we, the objective here is to be able to get you off the ground and running in your business as quickly as possible. We have been teaching people how to invest in real estate for the last 20 years. Sometimes people ask, well, why would you be, I'm why would you be teaching people? Because every time I give a presentation, what happens? Someone says, hey, I've got this deal. I need money. I need expertise. I need a tribal knowledge. I need power team. I need all these things. And it looks like you have them. So what does that mean for me? I get a lot of different partnership opportunities from being able to do this and sharing this information. So uh, that's one of the things, one of the ways it benefits me. And that's one of the reasons why I keep uh, standing up here and presenting about investing in real estate these 20 years later. So I'd love to have you join us. Please pull out your phone now. Now is also good and uh, scan this QR code. For those of you guys who are unfamiliar with QR codes, you can pull it up in your browser. Just go to texasstarterkit.com. For those of you guys who are online with us, there's gonna be a little link for you right below so that you can start to uh, plug that in and go ahead and get registered. Uh, we'll ask you a couple questions just to get to know you a little bit and uh, figure out where you are and where you'd like to go as a real estate investor and uh, send you um, uh, your own blueprint so you will know some of the things that you can do between now and when we have our presentation. And guys, as I finish my part of the presentation, I wanna introduce our keynote speaker tonight Mr. Phil Grove, a nationally recognized expert in a number of real estate investing strategies who's trained over 100,000 people on how to invest in real estate and transacted over 1,200 deals, totaling over $200 million in single family, $300 million in commercial, survived and thrived in every part of the market cycle, and owns about $30 million worth of real estate, uh, mostly free and clear here in Central Texas. And he's gonna teach you guys how you can uh, be a real estate investor in today's market using strategies that work here. Will you guys all please give a very, very warm round of applause to Mr. Fulbright. Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. If you like today's episode, please subscribe, comment, share with other investors, or join us directly at texasstarterkit.com.